thank you for joining with me. We are having a, a series on a lot of things and adding stuff, but it's really on the warfare that we're in as believers. The, the scripture, just a quick review, um, Jesus said that we have, we have an enemy. And he said he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Those three things are a part of the attack that the enemy wants to bring. There are a lot of warfare scriptures uh, in the, the word of God, and we will probably touch on some of them later on, not today, but other days. But when you go to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, setting the ground there, Jesus talked about in the word that, that we were going to struggle with our culture, uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the, our culture is getting more and more anti-Christ. So it's becoming a greater battle today, especially if you have children uh, that are being bombarded with the negative type cultural kind of stuff. Well, we want to go to Ephesians 6. And Paul says in Ephesians 6, we all wrestle demonic spirits, all of us. Uh, we're, we're in a battle. And he goes on, he talks about putting on the armor and all of that. But the last piece of the armor is what we want to focus on today. And that is prayer. Uh, if you want to be a person of prayer and make prayer a priority or at least on your priority list, you're going to see you're in a real battle. And so I want to go over some things today with you. And uh, I got that from Dick Eastman. And we have the two handouts that you can download after this message, and I would do it, uh, by Dick Eastman. How I came into D Dick Eastman's life was someone recommended a book or two he wrote, and I began reading them, and they were a real blessing to me. I thought, wow, uh, a good challenge, but not not like, you know, how to pray for a week and not eat and things like that. It was, you know, the, I mean, it's wonderful. There are people like that, but what about if we're just kind of normal people <laughs> you know, and, and, and don't have the, the, the calling of God to be a uh, lifetime intercessor all the time? And those are wonderful people. But Dick Eastman is a wonderful man of prayer. And uh, when I was on staff at Child Evangelism Fellowship, one of the things we had, the International Day of Prayer, because CEF works in nations all around the world. And uh, so we have this day set apart where we would pray for the ministries and all of that. Well, we had Dick Eastman, who I read a couple of his books. Uh, I asked him if he would come and spend the day at the headquarters at, in Warrington, Missouri. And uh, he did. And I met him and I was impressed 
with his genuineness, his walk with God, his wonderful prayer life, and so on. Um, I think you'd be blessed if you read any of his books. But Dick Eastman sent this to me years ago, and I found this a real help, and that's what I want to share with you. It's called Steps to a Practical, Joyful Prayer Life. See, if you're going to really begin to develop your prayer life, you are in for a major battle because the enemy really doesn't want you to pray. And I didn't understand that. And I would try to pray and my mind would wander here and there and everywhere, which I thought was normal, but it was not normal because it, it, it took my focus off of God, the needs I was praying about and so on. So there are 10 things that I'd like to share with you uh, it, for your thinking. And then the, a lot of it is scriptures that we're not going to look up because the material you can download and look up in your own time and so on. But the first uh, there, he calls it the 10 F's uh, to uh, a successful prayer line. So the first thing he says is find, find the best possible time and place for prayer. See, in Matthew 6, 6, Jesus said, when you pray. Uh, he did not uh, say, if you pray, he said, when you pray. So Jesus assumed that his followers would be men and women of prayer. And so I, for, I can't follow someone else's schedule. And there's going to be a lot of things to be included in this time. But it has to be suited for me, where I am, and what's going on in my life. Um, I, I would hear these wonderful speakers on prayer. I was going to Bible college. I was supporting a, a wife and... By the time I got out of Bible college, three kids, one before I started and two while I was there, because it took me so long to get through, I was afraid I'd be a grandfather before I graduated. But anyway, uh, you know, these guys would come. I spent all night in prayer. And here I'm working full time, going to college full time, trying to be a father full time, a husband part time. <laughs> so it, it was and to have this great prayer life. So I would get on my knees and I'm going to pray for hours and I'd fall asleep. And then I'm no good. I'll never be a spiritual giant. I'll never, whatever, whatever. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, just the first of all, what is the best time for you to pray? And what is the best place for you for prayer? Remember, Jesus, when he prayed, it was he would go off after a busy day to get alone by himself and so on and pray. So that's the first thing. If, if I'm going to have a prayer life, I need a place that if, if you go there all the time to pray, then you associate prayer with that chair or that place. The second thing we need to add to this if we to have these steps 
is forget failures like my sleeping. Oh, I can never be a prayer giant. Well, you know, it, at that time in my life, I could not pray for hours. I needed to sleep. I had to study. Uh, I could not, you know, pattern my life after someone else. As a pastor, I had much more free time to pray than a guy who's working. Uh, and I had to keep that in mind. You know, I wanted people to pray, but am I holding up a, you know, you, you want a pole vault? Good. Here. Here's the pole, and there's the bar. It's at 19 feet. <laughs> oh, 19 feet. You know, you get three feet off the ground. But sometimes we do that with prayer stuff. We, we put the bar at 19 feet, and I just give up. I can't. That's not who I am. Okay. So I'm saying forget all previous failures in prayer. And let's look at how I could begin to become a man or a woman of prayer. And if you already are, how can I strengthen that? We need prayer warriors. Okay. The third point is fight. There's all kinds of hindrances to prayer. So fight the hindrances. And I thought it was interesting in his notes that you download. He said that the greatest hindrance to prayer is not praying at all. Uh, there are others, things that you can do, uh, set aside and so on. Uh, but, you know, James 4.2 says there's two things that can hinder my prayer life. James said one is not praying. And the second is selfish prayers. It's all about me. It's all, you know, God, do this for me, do that for me. Like God is sitting in heaven waiting for me to give him uh, his days, what he needs to do today. And rather than us going to God, what do you want me to do today? Uh, I pray about here, like, what do you want me to share with these people that are watching? Uh, and let God lead and share what he wants me to do. So we need to fight the prayer hindrances, you know. Um, either I don't pray at all, or if I pray, it's only about me. It's very selfish and self-centered. And that is not what God wants for me. The, the fourth area is the focus of your prayers. Um, and I love this, what he said. He says, focus on the Lord and not answers. See, prayer is having a time to meet with God. Um, we used to sing song, let's have a little talk with Jesus. <laughs> let's tell him all about our troubles. And the Lord goes, oh, I understand. Good, 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 good guy, you know. <laughs> uh, let's talk to him, share with him what's going on. The Lord knows anyway. You know, it's spending that time with him. Uh, I think of uh, George Mueller. George Mueller was a wonderful man of prayer. I mean, and a man of faith. When you talk about faith, he's one of the greats of trusting God for orphans and feeding them and all that kind of stuff in his life. But George Mueller had a prayer list. 
uh, during his lifetime of 55 men that he was praying for their salvation. When George Mueller died, 50 of them had come to Christ. Now, he could have died really discouraged because what about the other five? But you know what happened? After his death, all five came to Christ. I wanted to read Jeremiah to you. This is the only verse I, I wanted to read. I mean, there's so many we could read. But this one, I love this verse. And he says, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. And he said, and I will be found by you. See? In those days, I will listen. Number one. Two, if you look for me wholeheartedly. You put your heart in it. I'm really, I'm really getting serious about this prayer stuff. And I really want to be able to have wonderful talks with God and so on. If you do, in your prayer life, you will find him. Okay. The next is follow a meaningful plan of action. And that can be very, very helpful. Uh, not so much as following a, a regimental type of prayer thing set up by someone else. But what kind of plan of action can you? See, the psalmist said, Lord, I will direct my prayers to you in the morning. That was his plan of action. You know, when is the best time for you to pray? Now, one time for me, what I really love to pray, and I know it's dangerous in a sense, but I love praying when I go to bed and just lay there and focus on the day, what God has done. Uh, some of you have written to us uh, and told us wonderful things that um, from the last thing we did, some guy wrote, how he was set free, uh, watching uh, something of our videos. And it's just really, really encouraging uh, because we're doing this to try to encourage people to walk with God, to know who God is, to walk with God, develop uh, a life of prayer and praying. Um, our nation desperately stands in the need of prayer. A lot of decisions are being made by those in government and you need to pray for them. It's easy to criticize what's happening. It's much harder to pray. You know, so don't just be a critic. But pray. Um, pray for these men and women that they become to know the Lord. I had a, a good friend I met um, in my speaking. And he ran for Congress. And he made it. I have a couple of other friends that are congressmen. Um, they're, they're the good guys. Um, anyway, uh, his desire to go to Congress was to be a real influence for the Lord. His wife is one of these um, 
bubbly, outgoing, um, Coke bottle, all shook up kind of person. You take the thumb off and psh, you know, that's his, his wife. And she went there to have Bible studies for congressman's wives. So they went there to try to make an impact in their world. Um, you know, so that was their focus. Their focus was to be an impact and then they had a meaningful plan of action of what they would do. She was going to congress these wives and try to gather them together and have a coffee or whatever and share Christ. And, you know, um, without a plan of action, you're going nowhere. I mean, um, good dreams or good whatever what I, I'd like to do doesn't put feet to it. And we need to put feet to that. And then after this plan of action, I need to feed every day on spiritual food or my prayers um, will lack a lot of spiritual vitality if I'm just praying what I need or whatever. Years ago, I was in a meeting and it was a blessing the person said this. Now, I know if you're not a pastor, this would be very difficult for you to do. But as a pastor, he has more free time. I mean, they can tell you that they don't, but I've pastored four churches. So I, I know that you can make time. You're, you know, to set aside time. But, and that was to read every day. He said, why don't you read five Psalms which connects you with God and one Proverbs that tells you how to live with people. He said, do that uh, every day. I set it uh, as a, um, a goal for a year and I liked it a lot. The Psalms really began to open up new meaning as I would read these five Psalms every day. Uh, because in a month, you go through all the Psalms and the Proverbs in a month. We do five and one that way. There's 30, 30, song, uh, 30 Proverbs and the Psalms will come out. And so I did that. And it was such a blessing. I did it for seven years. Every day I would read five Psalms and one Proverbs. And one day I... I was teaching in a Bible college and they came to me and they said, we have to have summer school. Um, we want you to teach in summer school. And I said, well, what do you want me to teach? They said, would you teach Proverbs? <laughs> I said, I've been preparing for seven years to teach that book. I was, we had so much fun in that class uh, because I had practically memorized the book of Proverbs, not trying to, but just, reading it every day for seven years, uh, you know, and it, we saw there's over a hundred different types. I think people mentioned in Proverbs, I had all that stuff. Now that I'm older, I kind of forget all of that stuff that I could have read you the riot act real quick over the, this program, but I, I, I've forgotten a lot of stuff, but no, it was a blessing, but have a reading, have a re scripture reading program. Um, devotionals are wonderful, and I have a collection of devotionals, hundreds of them. 
uh, literally, actually. But don't substitute a devotional for the word of God. Because somebody's saying, this is what I think it means. But it's amazing. If you have a scripture reading plan and you begin to read, that's so often the scriptures you read were the ones you needed for that day. What was happening and going on and so on. So be sure that you have spiritual intake from the word of God in developing your prayer life. So your prayers are more in line with what God says. And the more they're in line with what the word of God says, the more you're going to have answers to prayer. It's not going to be selfish prayers like it says in James, but they're going to be prayers based on the word of God and what you know. Okay. This next one, the first time I heard this seven, uh, number seven that you will have, was at the conference that he gave, the prayer conference he gave at CEF. And it's entitled Fellowship with the Lord in Love. And the scripture, no, when you see no, one time it's to know by information, but there's another no that has to do with a relationship or closeness. And that no is the word yada in the Hebrew. And it said in Hebrew, remember it's, you can read it in your Bible. It says Adam knew Eve and the result was sons. But the word no there is yada. That is an intimate relationship with the Lord. That is possible for you. In prayer, as you spend time, you open up your life to God. You open up your heart to him. And you share in tears sometimes what you're going through with him. And you can develop this yada. And I, when I saw that, I never, no one ever challenged me to have like, that kind of a close love relationship with the Lord. You know, often um, there's things in our lives that we don't want to share with God because, you know, he'd be shocked or sad or something. Or something. He knows it already, you know, and the Lord loves me. You know, there's nothing like an old fool <laughs> that the Lord loves. I can tell you, Lord loves old fools. I'm one. You know, he just he just loves us. I don't have to perform. I don't have to jump through hoops or, you know, uh, be in God's dog show, that kind of thing. I can just be me before him. And he loves me. And he loves when we're honest before him. And just that, that that's fellowship, really fellowship. The eighth one is really good because I think when I set impossible goals for myself, prayer goals that, you know, I didn't share with anybody, but it's impossible. Yeah, it's wonderful to be like Reese Howells or whoever was the guy who prayed in India. He'd be on his knees praying. And two days later, they said, you know, you've prayed for two days. 
Well, I'll tell you, I'm on my knees and I pray for five minutes. I feel like I've been there for two hours. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just not that kind of person. I just didn't, in me, and I want you to be just you, don't copy somebody, but I can learn like what he's saying here is all wonderful things about including this and being sure that my prayer life is, is, is well balanced. I mean, some people's prayer life it's like a flat tire. It's only flat on the bottom. The rest of the tire looks okay, but it's a thump, you know, a thump. And, and they quit and they give up. So don't set goals that are impossible for you to reach, but just begin to share, to talk, and and to to, to walk with him and have a special time where you can do that. Now the next one is is extremely important, you know, after the yada loving him, is forgive all the wrongs done to you by people. If you hold on to any kind of negative thoughts towards an individual, unforgiveness, I need to tell you, you are giving Satan an advantage. You will not be Warfare praying, you will your your prayers are hindered right there because of holding unforgiveness in your heart. You give Satan an advantage, and Ephesians says we quench the spirit. You know, we spench or uh, the spirit. So just look at Ephesians six um, and see that. So. One thing the enemy doesn't want me to do when I get on my knees, Satan wants to take an advantage by trying to remind me, look at what someone said or how you were snubbed or what happened at the church. Um, it's hard for me to believe, but I know of ministers who were men of the word who are bitter towards their board or towards the people in their church because they were wounded or whatever. Well, let me tell you, friend, if you've been wounded, good. Because you enter in the fellowship of suffering with Jesus. He was wounded in the house of friends. Uh, and we are going to be wounded, but we need to forgive. And then the ninth one is forsake. Forsake all things that hinder spiritual growth. And I wrote this down. I want to read it to you because it's so important. Andrew Murray, if you know anything about men of prayer, Andrew Murray's written a lot of books on prayer and so many uh, people have his books. If you don't have anything, just look at what you can get from, I can't mention uh, the place that sells books, uh, but there are places you can go on the internet and find books. And he's got some wonderful books on the School of Prayer, these different books. I have, I think I have every book uh, that Andrew Murray ever wrote. And it just thrills my heart because he was really a wonderful man of prayer. But Andrew Murray said this, we pray as we live. And he also said, it's the life that prays. So what's your life like? You know, 
if you're someone I don't need anything, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry if you have everything. But there's going to be a time you are going to have a need, you or someone in your family or whatever. And you should be praying, you know, people of prayer. And then the last one, number 10, finish what you start. And he put a note here I thought was good. Be willing to be used by God to answer your own prayers. Don't ask people to give to something if you're not willing to give. I shared this last Sunday in Sunday school. And there was a dear lady there. And she had gone to India. And she saw the plight of poor Indian women. And she thought, what could I do to change their plight? Well, all of a sudden she thought, if these women had a, a sewing machine, a tread, a tread, so they don't have to worry about some place to plug it in, a tread sewing machine and could sew, they could sell, make money, buy more material and sell and be self-supporting and, and be able to eat and so on. So she said she came back and she said, but uh, Jim, it's really funny, but in order for me to teach women how to sew, I don't know how to sew. <laughs> so she took sewing classes and she became an answer to that. Not that someone else ought to do something, but she could do it. And she's had this ministry of sewing machines and praying. And I'd like to leave you with a story. It's a wonderful story. Mark Bubeck gave it. It was a man in his church. And Mark was the founder of our organization. And this man's daughter was in college and she came home from college and she walked in uh, upstairs into her bedroom. And she came downstairs and she said to her mother, has dad been in my bedroom and praying? And the mom says, yes, he goes up there every night when you're in college and he prayed for you in that room. How did you know that? She said, I saw his footprints in the carpet. Where are your footprints? Is there footprints in your kid's bedroom in the carpet in people's lives? That's a beautiful story because it's true. You know, and this girl was overwhelmed that her dad loved her so much that he would go and pray for her in her room while she was in college. So I trust that download this material. And there's so much more on prayer that you can get. But this is a good start for you or a good restart for you. How many times I've started in prayer, I, I can't count. I don't know if there's a computer that goes up that far. I've tried and I, you know, I'd have these grandiose ideas and fail and fail. Now, there's no day like today to be a person that leaves their footprints in people's lives. Father, I thank you. I ask that you would encourage and bless people that have listened to restart their prayer life. In Jesus' name, amen.